Section 8 of Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume 1, by Washington Irving. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume 1, by Washington Irving. Book 1, Chapter 3. Noah, who is the first seafaring man we read of, begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japhet. Authors, it is true, are not wanting, who affirm that the patriarch had a number of other children. Thus Berosus makes him father of the gigantic Titans. Methodius gives him a son called Jonathus, or Jonicus, who was the first inventor of Johnny-cakes. And others have mentioned a son named Thuiscon, from whom descended the Teutons, or Teutonic, or, in other words, the Dutch nation. I regret exceedingly that the nature of my plan will not permit me to gratify the laudable curiosity of my readers by investigating minutely the history of the great Noah. Indeed, such an undertaking would be attended with more trouble than many people would imagine for the good old patriarch seems to have been a great traveller in his day, and to have passed under a different name in every country he visited. The Chaldeans, for instance, give us his story, merely altering his name into Zisithrus, a trivial alteration, which to an historian skilled in etymologies will appear wholly unimportant. It appears likewise that he had exchanged his tarpaulin and quadrant among the Chaldeans for the gorgeous insignia of royalty, and appears as a monarch in their annals. The Egyptians celebrate him under the name of Osiris, the Indians as Menu, the Greek and Roman writers confound him with Ogyges, and the Theban with Deucalion and Saturn. But the Chinese, who deservedly rank among the most extensive and authentic historians, inasmuch as they have known the world much longer than anyone else, declare that Noah was no other than Fohi, and what gives this assertion some air of credibility is that it is a fact admitted by the most enlightened literati that noah travelled into china at the time of the building of the tower of babel probably to improve himself in the study of languages and the learned dr shuckford gives us the additional information that the ark rested on a mountain on the frontiers of china from this mass of rational conjectures and sage hypotheses many satisfactory deductions might be drawn, but I shall content myself with the simple fact stated in the Bible, viz. that Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japhet. It is astonishing on what remote and obscure contingencies the great affairs of this world depend, and how events the most distant, and to the common observer unconnected, are inevitably consequent the one to the other. It remains to the philosopher to discover these mysterious affinities, and it is the proudest triumph of his skill to detect and drag forth some latent chain of causation, which at first sight appears a paradox to the inexperienced observer. Thus, many of my readers will doubtless wonder what connection the family of Noah can possibly have with this history, and many will stare when informed that the whole history of this quarter of the world has taken its character and course from the simplest circumstance of the patriarchs having but three sons. 
but to explain. Noah, we are told by sundry very credible historians, becoming sole surviving heir and proprietor of the earth, in fee simple, after the deluge, like a good father portioned out his estate among his children. To Shem he gave Asia, to Ham, Africa, and to Japhet, Europe. Now, it is a thousand times to be lamented that he had but three sons, for had there been a fourth, he would doubtless have inherited America, which, of course, would have been dragged forth from its obscurity on that occasion, and thus many a hard-working historian and philosopher would have been spared a prodigious mass of weary conjecture respecting the first discovery and population of this country. Noah, however, having provided for his three sons, looked in all probability upon our country as mere wild, unsettled land, and said nothing about it. And to this unpardonable taciturnity of the patriarch may we ascribe the misfortune that America did not come into the world as early as the other quarters of the globe. It is true, some writers have vindicated him from this misconduct towards posterity, and asserted that he really did discover America. Thus it was the opinion of Marc Lescarbo, a French writer, possessed of that ponderosity of thought and profoundness of reflection so peculiar to his nation, that the immediate descendants of Noah peopled this quarter of the globe, and that the old patriarch himself, who still retained a passion for the seafaring life, superintended the transmigration. The pious and enlightened Father Charlevoix, a French Jesuit, remarkable for his aversion to the marvellous, common to all great travellers, is conclusively of the same opinion. Nay, he goes still farther, and decides upon the manner in which the discovery was effected, which was by sea, and under the immediate direction of the great Noah. I have already observed, exclaims the good father, in a tone of becoming indignation, that it is an arbitrary supposition that the grandchildren of Noah were not able to penetrate into the new world, or that they never thought of it. In effect, I can see no reason that can justify such a notion. Who can seriously believe that Noah and his immediate descendants knew less than we do, and that the builder and pilot of the greatest ship that ever was, a ship which was formed to traverse an unbounded ocean, and had so many shoals and quicksands to guard against, should be ignorant of, or should not have communicated to his descendants, the art of sailing on the ocean. Therefore they did sail on the ocean. Therefore they sailed to America. Therefore America was discovered by Noah. Now, all this exquisite chain of reasoning, which is so strikingly characteristic of the good father, being addressed to the faith rather than the understanding, is flatly opposed by Hans de Leyte, who declares it a real and most ridiculous paradox to suppose that Noah ever entertained the thought of discovering America. And as Hans is a Dutch writer, I am inclined to believe he must have been much better acquainted with the worthy crew of the Ark than his competitors, and of course possessed of more accurate sources of information. It is astonishing how intimate historians do daily become with the patriarchs and other great men of antiquity. As intimacy improves with time, and as the learned are particularly inquisitive and familiar in their acquaintance with the ancients, 
i should not be surprised if some future writers should gravely give us a picture of men and manners as they existed before the flood far more copious and accurate than the bible and that in the course of another century the log-book of the good noah should be as current among historians as the voyages of captain cook or the renowned history of robinson crusoe i shall not occupy my time by discussing the huge mass of additional suppositions conjectures and probabilities respecting the first discovery of this country with which unhappy historians overload themselves in their endeavors to satisfy the doubts of an incredulous world it is painful to see these laborious whites panting and toiling and sweating under an enormous burden at the very outset of their works which on being opened turns out to be nothing but a mighty bundle of straw as however by unwearied assiduity they seem to have established the fact to the satisfaction of all the world that this country has been discovered i shall avail myself of their useful labors to be extremely brief upon this point i shall not therefore stop to inquire whether america was first discovered by a wandering vessel of that celebrated phoenician fleet which according to herodotus circumnavigated africa or by that carthaginian expedition which pliny the naturalist informs us discovered the canary islands or whether it was settled by a temporary colony from tyre as hinted by aristotle and seneca i shall neither inquire whether it was first discovered by the chinese as vossius with great shrewdness advances nor by the norwegians in one thousand and two under biron nor by behem the german navigator as mr otto has endeavored to prove to the savants of the learned city of philadelphia nor shall i investigate the more modern claims of the welsh founded on the voyage of prince madoc in the eleventh century who having never returned it has since been wisely concluded that he must have gone to america and that for a plain reason if he did not go there where else could he have gone a question which most socratically shuts out all further dispute laying aside therefore all the conjectures above mentioned with a multitude of others equally satisfactory i shall take for granted the vulgar opinion that america was discovered on the twelfth of october fourteen ninety two by christopher colon a genoese who has been clumsily nicknamed columbus but for what reason i cannot discern of the voyages and adventures of this colon i shall say nothing seeing that they are already sufficiently known nor shall i undertake to prove that this country should have been called colonia after his name that being notoriously self-evident having thus happily got my readers on this side of the atlantic i picture them to myself all impatience to enter upon the enjoyment of the land of promise and in full expectation that i will immediately deliver it into their possession but if i do may i ever forfeit the reputation of a regular-bred historian no no most curious and thrice-learned readers for thrice-learned ye are if ye have read all that has gone before and nine times learned shall ye be if ye read that which comes after we have yet a world of work before us think you the first discoverers of this fair quarter of the globe 
had nothing to do but go on shore and find a country ready laid out and cultivated like a garden wherein they might revel at their ease no such thing they had forests to cut down underwood to grub up marshes to drain and savages to exterminate in like manner i have sundry doubts to clear away questions to resolve and paradoxes to explain before i permit you to range at random but these difficulties once overcome we shall be enabled to jog on right merrily through the rest of our history thus my work shall in a manner echo the nature of the subject in the same manner as the sound of poetry has been found by certain shrewd critics to echo the sense this being an improvement in history which i claim the merit of having invented end of section eight